Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches of Husky Podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is UW and Kayla Olin. Washington survives in the desert. Seven-point win, could have been more, should have been more. But as Kayla mentioned, getting out of the state with a win is always important. I thought it was going to be a big win. Obviously, I was wrong. Could have been if things would have bounced a little bit different, but that's football, and they got out of there. Kayla, let's start with you, your overall thoughts on the game. Overall thoughts, you have to be happy to get out of the desert, not going into OT, not coming away with a loss. You have to be happy about that. However, always going to find, because I do believe this is a top team that can make a push for the CFP, you have to find those things that are issues. And one of them is allowing a backup quarterback, a backup running back to stay in this game Even if it is in the desert, I don't think that's acceptable. I also think that the defense probably had their worst game of the season. However, I thought it was great to see that Washington can win without a single passing touchdown. I thought that was pretty big. Yeah, I mean, everything that Kayla said is completely accurate. Um, I would just say that that was definitely, yeah, our worst defensive game of the year. And we gave up 24 points. And that was by far the worst game of the year. And it was on the road in the state of Arizona on the grass in a game that had some confusing play calling offensively. So 10 out of 10 times, I will take that. I will take that to the bank every single day. And as Jake said in our previous podcast, this is a great preparation for the University of Oregon, which is coming up in two weeks. Mobile quarterback, got to get better at contain, got to get better at stopping a lot of things. But Ultimately, we learned a lot about ourselves in this game, and that's what these games are about, is learning about ourselves. We didn't have Jalen McMillan again. We didn't have um, Julius Bulow again. So managed to get out with a win, and you got to be happy with that. Obviously, I don't like that it wasn't uh, a covered spread, and Oregon won their game by a lot, and we didn't. But there's a lot of difference between Stanford University and the University of Arizona. For sure. And I think one of the biggest, I guess, of the two games that Jalen McMillan has missed, this one you really felt it because I think his skill set is perfect for a game like this where they were taking away the total deep shot. seems like every game to get the offense rolling, it's about a 15, 20-yard pass to Jalen McMillan in the middle of the field. He turns it up, uses his elite speed, and breaks something that really starts the offense rolling makes the secondary have to come down a little bit, allowing those deep shots to Jalen Pulgan Romadunze. And obviously it wasn't there. The thing that I want to really highlight though, is while this game did, yes, end up being a seven point game. The reality is Washington was up two scores for basically the entire, the entire game until the end. And, you know, Thaddeus Dixon makes a really nice play, can't hold on to the ball. They get that in plus territory. They probably score another touchdown and and they cover the spread. And that's what the great teams do is they cover. The thing is, it didn't happen. Is Noah Fafita better than Jaden Delora when it comes to taking care of the ball or in general? No question. No question. I think Delora is a turnover machine. So, yeah, no question. I think that Jane Delora overall probably possesses more talent, but like you're saying, is just like a turnover machine. So if you're looking at talent level, I think that Jane Delora possesses more. However, I also think that, I mean, you got to take those turnovers when they come. He has quite a few of them, but I also, you know, I mean, he's also young. Like, let's look at what Jake Browning was doing when he was a freshman and then obviously made strides and I think that Arizona can definitely do that with Tafiti. Fafita. Fafita. It's not Moana. I know. Oh. I literally just thought of that. I was like, I was like, oh, we're watching some Moana right now. Sorry, That's sir. Um, that tells you that this should have been more than seven when we're struggling like me personally struggling with the backup quarterback's name. What can I say except you're you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> you know that he really and he looked like a freshman quarterback in the first quarter. Um, I just love that this defense, namely the defensive line starts every game off with the tackle for loss on a running back. And that was that basically Thule clotheslined the running back who I, I thought 
after that first quarter that it was going to be one of those where, again, Washington wasn't going to have to play in the third quarter. Uh, but, you know, Arizona State figured it out. That Coleman, their running back, he ran pretty hard, and he he would push. I mean, he he trucked Edifon Ulufusio in the second half. I mean, the guy actually possessed a lot of pop, which mm. I was really impressed with. Um, the connection between Fafita and uh, McMillan. I don't know if you guys heard on the broadcast once or a thousand times, but they were high school teammates and that's why they're so good together. (laughs) They talked about that a lot, but he did look pretty good going through. What do you think Arizona changed that helped them start to move the ball on? Yeah, I think they just got settled into where they were at. They understood that they had the control. They could control what they did and they just started to run with a little bit more confidence. Um, I'm not sure that they necessarily changed a lot. They just probably went back to what they were good at, which is they have a good running back. They have at least one good wide receiver who is best friends with his quarterback. As Trevor pointed out, they were given a lot of gifts from the stripes because only one team was holding on, on, you know, on offense. So, and that was wild. I, I have never, I haven't seen it. I don't think ever as lopsided as it was when there was apparent holds on, on it's not that necessarily Arizona. I mean, there was a lot of holds. Uh, I saw a, a egregious block in the back on Carson Bruner. Braylon tries continues to get held often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kayla, as you're our resident official, I, I know that this is a, sometimes an awkward position for you to be in here, but when you're officiating, how do you look at holding? So for me, for holding, it has to do a few things. It has to be big enough if it's minor and if it's a little bit like, okay, it's not that big, you're not going to call it. You're going to let them play football. It's a physical game. You're going to let them do it. If it doesn't affect the play, no matter how big it is, you're not going to call it. The only time you're ever going to call it if it's away from the play is if it's a takedown. It's the only time you're going to call it. Um, It has to be able to be categorized. So it has to be a grab and restrict. It has to be a takedown. It has to be like a full turn. It has to be categorized. And I think with some of those, you have to, what we got, what we always talk about in pregame is that your calls are setting the standard. If you call a tic-tac hold, you better call that all game. If you're going to let them play and you're going to make sure that it is huge, you better be consistent all game. And I think that's where a lot of fans were upset with this game is maybe not super consistent on some of the calls. Um, I think that they let some things go in terms of pass interference. I think that was good that they let some of those things go. I think some of the things that they called against Washington, against Arizona, I think they were fair, but in terms of holding it's that's, I think the worst one is you have to consider, will it affect the play? And could that person have gone to the quarterback? Yes or no. That's now a judgment call, but that's going to be one of the biggest reasons why you don't see things getting called. 125 to 60. A, a thousand percent. I mean, I mentioned last week that penalties were an issue and yeah. I thought, I said that that is what needs to be cleaned up. And it was when there Washington only had about 90 yards, but in one of these games, if you switch out Arizona for Oregon and Washington has 125 yards of penalties and Arizona does not I mean you're looking at a loss there and it's not even just the holding calls I think that officials should not dictate games I think you should be good enough to win that officials don't dictate games but it was those smaller things you know like those false starts that were hurting Washington or some pass interferences just turn your head around and you're not going to get called on pass interference it's those little things that do need to be cleaned up I think that Unfortunately, Arizona was also guilty of those things and they weren't called for it. And that's what people as fans get frustrated with. Like, fine, call Washington for that. But you could have called it on the people who are defending Braylon Trice and ZTF every single snap. And in fact, it should have been called because they were prevented from getting sacks many different times. And that takes I mean, that that is why it is a big reason why Arizona got that last score and makes it look a lot closer than it was. So as a fan in all sports, inconsistency is always going to frustrate us. And that is the biggest reason that I'm excited to leave this conference because they don't seem committed to that at all. Yeah, the inconsistency, I would say, is definitely the biggest red flag about the whole penalties and everything like that. Because like you say, if you're going to call them, it should be consistent along the board. Um, 
it it sucks because holding then turns into a judgment call in terms of could that person have gotten free to get there and that's now you know past interference is a judgment call you know was he actually restricted was the ball catchable and you're now looking at holding was could he have gotten there because a lot of times you know officials can get downgraded and you know like yeah I understand you know that is a holding but I don't think he could have gotten to the quarterback so let's pass on that and so you know it's unfortunate I also think we had talked about that the score should have been more you know Jeremy shouldn't have fumbled that shouldn't have happened and you know take away penalties aside if that doesn't happen Washington wins 38 24 and I don't know if we're talking about penalties as much as we are. I think we've talked about it every week as, as far as like getting holds that I feel like haven't, haven't necessarily been justified. So especially, especially when you consider our edge rushers basically never get cold, like they never get calls against them. So that's where I get frustrated of just like these, these are all American guys. Those guys that Arizona have are not all Americans. So, I mean, it's just what also, it's just one of the things where it's like, we've lost two offensive linemen and, Gary and Hatchet and Parker and Parker Railsford aren't as strong at the same time. I just don't think they're doing it twice as much as Arizona. Ultimately. I just don't. Um, the first drive where Washington's defense started to show some issues was the third drive. Uh, and they had a couple of chances to get off the field without giving up um, maybe a field goal attempt. There was a fourth and one where they uh, Arizona was able to pick it up. And then you started seeing Fafita look for guys in holes uh, in that short passing game. They took advantage of Washington, not allowing them to get deep. And I think they also were, they they did a really good job with their game plan of playing to a true freshman's first start or a redshirt freshman's first start. They really didn't make him throw any, you know, he threw a couple deep and, and they weren't very successful. There should have been an interception on a deep throw from Jabbar Muhammad, but there was a missed sack where he just kind of slipped through the fingers and they end up scoring that touchdown. And that really was, I felt like that's where we started to see some cracks in the, in the dam before it kind of burst for as much as you could say for a 24 point win or 24 point outing where Washington's defense has been so good and, and, this is really the first time where they've had to face some adversity. Yeah. I kind of agree with all that. And I mean, you look at plays and you look at kind of like some specific statistics in terms of their drives and they had four out of their nine resulting in more than 10 plays, which is way too many. I think, especially if you want to keep the defense off the field, You also can look at only one three and out, and that was the very first drive. Other than that, Washington's defense didn't really do themselves a favor in terms of getting off. And then, you know, they have two five-minute-plus drives. That's a long time for the defense to be on the field, especially around kickoff time. It's about 90 degrees. Washington's not used to that right now at this moment, you know, heading into the very last day of September. And it's just... They looked good at first, and then it seemed just like after halftime, I think Washington started to think that they had it a little bit more easier than they did, and that's kind of my personal opinion is I thought that they played down to Arizona instead of playing to their potential. I wonder if that some of that comes into play where they did, they were on the field more than they have been pretty much all season. I mean, they they were on the field more than they've, they've been all season. They've never played a full game. Yeah, 100%. And, it, and, yet, and yet in what – one, two, three, four, five possessions. Arizona scored two touchdowns in the second half. And they got off the field with a punt, an interception, and on downs on three other possessions. So yeah. they gave up two two inter- two, sorry, two touchdowns. And yet they more often than not, they got off the field. I would I don't categorize only three and outs as a successful defensive stop. I categorize anytime we stop them from scoring, it's a success, even if we're on the field for a long time. So, um, you know, there are things to clean up, but this is, this is a team that took Mississippi state in sec territory to the brink. They could very well be four and one right now instead of three and two. Um, and they're really improving. And I mean, like we talked about the drops in terms of 
could have been interceptions and you got to walk before you can run on the defense. So like that is Dixon, the next time that happens, I will bet you dollars to donuts that is an, he's going to stick because he's so sad. He's so frustrated with himself that that happened. Well, that's two weeks in a row because he had a pick six uh, called back from the right. game previously as well. Right. So like, and then something like Jeremy Bernard, that's not really his skill set. What that, what happened? He was also a little bit overworked, probably gassed. It's not an excuse, but I don't think that's going to happen again. And I'd rather those near misses and things that we're super frustrated about happen against Arizona in a win than happen in two weeks against Oregon. I'm so glad we have this film to study, to say like, guys, we can do so much better than this. Look at all the meat we left on the bone. The last time we felt like we had a lot of meat left on the bone was I would say Tulsa. And then the next week we opened up a can against Michigan state. So I absolutely expect these kids. to like, yes, they're happy that they won this game, but the Tate week now we have to be better than this. And they know that. And I totally expect that to happen. Everything that Washington has done wrong this year, they've fixed within the next week. The The only one that they have not is the penalty issue because Kayla talked about it last week. There was a couple of um, personal fouls that came after the whistle that were pretty. And that's sloppy. There's no excuse yeah, for that. Nope. I agree. And, and so I think that's the step that this program mm-hmm. takes is it's a it's a high emotion game coming up. Um, how do you calm the mechanism in a way? Because, you know, again, I've said it a bunch of times this year, this team came back for one very, very big reason. They can't allow sloppiness to derail this, this pro this, this season. So I think that's going to be a point of emphasis. I agree with you on Jeremy Bernard, uh, other, you know, he had a, he was the top receiver. He ran well. Uh, but that fumble, that fumble will stick with him. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's, and, that's how you improve. and and my question about that is <laughs> Will Nixon and, and Dylan Johnson were the two, they were the two most important players on the field, uh, especially in the red zone. Why aren't, why, why is it that Jeremy's getting that after, didn't they just go to that? Well, right before. I, I think, th- I think so. It's very confusing, frankly. And I actually was, talking with hood husky earlier today shout out hood and he was talking about his frustration with um grub being allergic to run the ball in a lot of our uh, games in the last year and a half um at arizona state um against oregon state at home ucla on the road last year and arizona like and i think part of the reason is like jeremy is a wide receiver and we're trying to pad mike's numbers for the heisman and like that's all fine and good but mike would rather us win the game than win the heisman well okay i remember now i'm sorry to interrupt you but it was a dropped pass by jeremy bernard on the before and then they went with that run play with him Uh uh-huh so i think he was trying he was i think he tried to get a little bit outside of what he is and and try to do a little bit Mm -hmm. too much and hero ball is not going to work if you know washington's gonna achieve all their goals Totally. And I mean, he's not a wide receiver right now that I'm going to trust with having, um, carrying a ball through contact. I would much more trust Rome or, um, Jalen McMillan. I would, I actually don't even think Jalen Polk is the, is the right receiver for that. Those two guys are much better and certainly not essentially what amounts to a freshman. Jeremy will get there, but right now that's not his role. Yeah. I mean, he's a future number one target on this, in this program, uh, It'll be whether or not Jalen Polk decides to stick around after this year. The tight ends just decided that it was their turn, not named Jack Westover to save this team's ass. And Josh Cuevas mm-hmm. with the 50 yard, 57 yard catch down the sideline, putting them in position to score. And then Devin Culp's catch. That was the catch of his career. I third down and, and long, right a guy was in perfect position he catches it pins it to his helmet gets the first down and the next play they score a touchdown Kayla we've talked about Devin Cole a lot on this show over the over the years how cool is it to see him make a play like that I was actually talking to my dad I was like wow I feel like we hit Devin Cole we haven't really seen too much of him this season yeah literally that day I was like oh he's kind of been a little bit quiet especially after the Jack Westover show that we saw a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, Devin Culp's been kind of quiet. And then after Josh Cuevas, it was like, okay, well, you know, Devin Culp's still, you know, he's really not there. He's doing some blocking. He's doing what he needs to do to make sure that other plays happen. But he finally finds that one. And I, you talked about 
the tight end showing up in that second half and Washington has 140 yards passing in that second half, you get rid of 57 and you know, you're only looking at about 83. So those were some big plays when it mattered, especially when you compare numbers to numbers with Arizona putting up 146 passing in the second half and just the completions to the attempts to the touchdowns to the interceptions. Again, Washington didn't have any passing touchdowns. Did that maybe make Arizona stay in the game mentally longer? Possibly just because that's what Washington is known for is that passing attack and Michael Penix's arms and those receivers finding the end zone and it didn't happen. So it's definitely interesting to look at how big those tight end plays really made it just to keep Washington in the game in Arizona out of it. Well, yeah, because it it came on the same, it came on the same drive and the next play after the pass to Devin Culp, it was a touchdown by Dylan Johnson and put him up 28. And it was third and 16. Like it wasn't even third and four. It was, Oh yeah. Third and big boy numbers. I saw it as another weapon. I'm loving that Devin Culp got his moment to shine. I'm loving seeing how many tight ends we have who are amazing at catching the ball and can, and can pull us out. I know that last year in the Alamo bowl, we had really strong tight end play and it comes in handy when you have wide receivers that are well covered, which we did all game because Arizona respects Washington. And so that's one thing that you have to expect is that it's not a question of like the tight ends saving our butts. It's like this team is so well faceted that it's really great. It's actually so wonderful to see the different weapons that we have shine in different moments, because that's just going to mean that Oregon's going to have to study this film and be very prepared for everybody on the field. And I think that's a positive. To bounce off what you're saying, Leah, is I think you make a great point, especially with, you know, is Devin Colt going to block and then catch a pass? Or is he just going to, you know, help block? Or is he going to go downfield? When Washington had Hunter Bryant, Trevor, you and I talked about Hunter Bryant a lot where, you know, you're a tight end with an asterisk next to you. You know, you, you kind of, only play receiver you don't really block whereas mm-hmm. Devin Culp like you're saying is the complete opposite same with Jack Westover oh, that whole yeah. position group I mean yeah. all four yeah. of them they you cannot take a night off with our tight ends because if you do you're going to get burned for three touchdowns like ha- what happened to Michigan State so you got to cover these guys you just do and I mean if you take a night off and you say okay we're not going to cover Westy or you know, you you really do something stupid, like you're not going to cover one of our wide receivers. Well, good night. I'm sorry. I think that's exactly how Josh Cravens got his 57-yard reception. They were like, we didn't even know this number existed. Like, no shot to you, but, you know, haven't really seen you on film too much. And And all of a sudden, you now have a tight end 30 yards downfield. What? Well, that's a a bet that most defenses are going to take. Like, am I going to leave Roma Dinze open? Probably not. Which is funny because Josh Cuevas was like the best tight end in the FCS. (laughs) Like he caught a ton of balls last year. So just homework uh, was not done. Yeah. An embarrassment of riches. You know, they showed that while a seven defensive back works to slow Washington down, they're still a dominant offense. They were able to Mm -hmm. run the ball just fine. Dylan Johnson looked amazing. Will Mm -hmm. Nixon looked explosive. Tybo Rogers had some plays. Uh, you, you play them deep. They're going to beat you with 15 yard chunks. I mean, it was still looking at the stats here. They, they still averaged Michael Penix, even though he didn't have many explosive plays, he still averaged almost, he averaged nine yards of throw. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to do that. Washington's still going to efficiently take advantage of you. It was towards the end of the game where there was some miscues, uh, it was one of very few balls that I've seen Mike throw poorly when he tried to hit Westover that would have been close to a first down when they went three and out there in the fourth. But for most of the game, they were just efficiently going down the field, scoring touchdowns with, Mm -hmm. you know, what the defense gave them. And I think if Jalen McMillan's in there, there's a lot more explosion in the middle of the field. And that just, I mean, he's so important to this offense. Those, those three work so well together. You know, right now you can take away, you know, they were able to take away the receivers, sort of, I guess. I mean, in Washington senses, they held them in check, right? Nobody had 100 yards, but, you know, they were both really still efficient. But the running backs and tight ends beat you. With all three of those receivers, 
one of those receivers is going to beat you because you can't guard them all. Well, it's crazy because we're sitting here and we're like, yeah, the receivers had a bad day. The offense had a bad day. There was no passing touchdowns. But you look at the amount of big plays, and by big plays, it's 15 yards or more for passing. And Washington had 10 of them for 219 yards. And there was about four of them on first and 10 situations, but then the other ones are third and 14, third and 10, third and 16. And so, yeah, we didn't see, you know, all of these 60 yard bombs, how we were kind of used to in these first Mm -hmm. few weeks, but they still existed, just not in, I think, the way that we are now spoiled and used to. Right. We had to score like on multiple plays instead. We're like, wait, we plays. can't just score in two plays. Right, exactly. <laughs> I know. It's actually we're we're a little spoiled as Husky fans because we've basically had a show to watch the first four games. And now we're getting into the big boy season, even though Arizona is one of like, you know, the, the bottom triad of the Pac-12 conference. They're still a pretty good team. They're gonna make some noise against probably the lower half and they might they might steal a couple they they, they brought, brought Washington to the end there um and you know I think that if Ryan Krub had simply kept the ball on the ground um and on that last drive where we punted and just th- threw through through and said just pounded the rock and kept the ball Arizona has one fewer touchdown so yeah overall I'm okay with this win Obviously, I wish that were more, um, but I hope that we, if like Oregon is content to just give us the run, I hope we take it. All right. I have yeah. a little mini quick tangent. Oh, so before that final play happened where Ryan grabbed his side pass it three out of three times before punting there in the last few minutes of the game, if Penix completes that shot that Rome usually hauls in, Penix is Caleb Williams came into the game with 404 yards passing on the night. So Penix would have surpassed that with that completion. Rome would have again, over a hundred yards receiving plus that touchdown. Are we talking about Ryan, Ryan Grubb's offensive play calling it all? If that does work out, or are we only talking about it because it then put Arizona in the situation to come back? Well, I think that because Ultimately, we didn't need to score right there. We needed to just finish out the game and lead clock. And that's why we're talking about this because yes, it could have paid off, but then Arizona could have scored again. So like ultimately we still, if we had scored and then Arizona had scored back, then we would have still won by 14, which wouldn't have been the spread. So frankly, I would have been much more content to win by 14 and then have like rob Arizona of getting one last chance. And I think that not getting doing what we were being given which was just pound the rock and every three plays pass the football but get those first downs and make it impossible for Arizona to score again that would have been preferable I understand that it was frustrating you know you should have just let the play clock run but I also appreciate being like hey you know let's get some numbers up Trevor what about you yeah I see both ways I really like the aggression aggressiveness of this offense and and of Ryan Grubb in general however I think in that situation where your defense the most they've played all season it's a hot game uh, I think that giving them a chance to either not have to come back onto the field or come back onto the field with little time left up three scores then they can pin their ears back go after the quarterback play deep and just get out of there I think that would be ideal. Um, however, Ryan Grubb is really good at this. Mike Penix usually makes that second throw to Jack Westover, which would have made it at worst uh, a third manageable, but instead, you know, it's third and 10 and it is what it is. So. Yeah. I was just going to just finish that out by saying like, we cannot sit here and criticize the defense for being gassed when we gave them 31 seconds of a break. Yeah. That's stone cold back. Yeah. Thousand percent. I mean, yeah, I think it also was not Ryan Grubb saying that, you know, like Arizona can't go down and score, but he was, you know, like, well, you know, like Michael, let's help you in Arizona. You know, I don't really think that you can go down. So we are going to call these things, but if it's, you know, if this is Oregon and this is the last few minutes and Washington is up seven, please don't pass. Run out. Yeah, but at the I, same I, time, they, they still up two scores at that point. So it's like, 
this game as much as especially Oregon fan and they will will try to tell you that Washington had a scare in the desert that is not necessary that's really not true uh I, I think had a scare Dick... in the desert before it even started so <laughs> right <laughs> they're not Dick wrong Fain, Dick Fain posted the screenshot of like the probability meter and at worst Washington was at like 81 percent chance of winning so this game really wasn't in question it's just they didn't what we're looking for with this team isn't to beat Arizona. It's to step on the throat of lesser opponents and not let them back in the game. And they did. And you know what? Down the line, I think that's going to help them out. They've, they, they will work on finishing games. They'll work on finishing interceptions. They'll work on uh, all of those things that would help this just execute it at a little bit, you know, sharper of a level. And the reality is until next week, or two weeks from now, the best team that they're going to play is is the team in practice. So I think that you're going to see some high intensity, or not, you're not going to see it, but my assumption is be there'll be some high intensity practices during that bye week uh, with, with some rest, obviously, just to get them uh, in those situations where when they do have a team down, they're able to just, you know, throw the knockout blow. Final tangent, starting with Leah first, is who do you think comes in with maybe more of momentum, a team that just blew out their opponent or one that went to a one-score game? Well, I think that playing Stanford on in Stanford and you know going into the locker room with a really sizable 14-6 to 6 win, or sorry, 14-6 to 6 lead into the locker mm-hmm. room, you know, and then ultimately going away, I don't necessarily feel like that prepares you for a big game. Arizona being able to fight and claw and make sure that we didn't end up faltering in a, in a state that has given us all sorts of nightmares for decades and coming out on top. Sometimes you have to win ugly. I mean, look at Georgia, Georgia barely <laughs> survived Auburn this week. And do we really, I mean, like Georgia could fall this year for sure, but do we really think that like Alabama beating like a, like a North Texas school of the blind is a better preparation for the SEC than Georgia beating Auburn and managing to squeak one out? I don't. I think that Washington is better served having had, having had a near miss sort of and saying like, we can lose if we don't work hard. Oregon's reading their own press right now. They think that they're not in for clicks, but literally that's all their program is about. So I, I think that going to Arizona on the grass in the desert is a really good preparation for Oregon. And I don't think that Stanford's a good preparation for Washington. What about you, Trevor? I think both of these programs have had to play one full game. I think Washington looked better in their one full game than Oregon did. I think Texas tech isn't very good. I think, (laughs) They might be a bowl team. I think Arizona definitely is a bowl team. Other than that, I don't know how much you can really take away from momentum at this point because <laughs> they just don't play fourth quarters. I mean, three out of the or four out of the five games they've been out of there before. Both programs have had their games wrapped up before that. So I don't I don't really know. I don't know if it matters because both of these teams have been tested by lesser opponents and had figured out how to win those games. Washington still hasn't done it on the ropes. Oregon was ste- you know, a few plays away from losing. Washington still hasn't been in that situation, which is like a good thing and a bad thing cuz they're just it, this team's really really good, really really dominant. They've had to face a little bit of diversity uh, adversity, but it really hasn't manifested itself in like some, you know, do or die plays yet. And that will happen. It could happen in two weeks. Oregon has been through that. I, but you know, that was a long time ago and they felt really good. You know, they're feeling really good about themselves beating up on Dion and then obviously taking it to a hapless Stanford team. So yeah, I think, no, I don't think either, either of them have any momentum other than I think Washington has a better scheme. Yeah. I think Washington knows just exactly what their offense can do, what the ceiling is for that offense but then you look at what happened last meeting last year, and it was Wash. I mean, obviously Washington's offense helped with that infamous huge bomb to Taj Davis, but 
you also see that it was Washington's defense when Dan Lanning decided to go for it on fourth down a couple times. And so it's Washington's defense that knows they can hang with them. So we'll see. Ultimately, I'll close with just saying I trust our head coach and our coaching staff to make really sound decisions down the stretch. I know I was critical of Ryan Grubb tonight, but I still believe in him. And ultimately, I would take Kalen DeBoer over Dan Lanning 10 out of 10 times. He makes the grown-up decisions. He has been there before, and he can coach these big games. So I think that we're going to be ready to play. And he's really steady Eddie on the sidelines. And you could he was very frustrated with some of the sloppy flags mm-hmm. that Washington, he was, that was the most animated I've seen him on the sidelines. And, and I just, I think that he, I, I think he's great. All I hope is that Thule is okay. Um, and Rome, the knees to the Rome. ribs. Rome, Rome, they said that he, he was, he's going to like, I, the one I'm more worried about is Thule. Uh, I think, I think Rome, I think he, I hope it's not, a, I mean, if it's broken rib, that's scary, but it sounds like reading between the lines of what Kalen DeBoer said, it sounds like Thule's going to need this week to get healthy. That's but great. Kalen's a little bit like Chris Peterson where he's like, oh yeah, we're confident he'll play on Saturday. He said that about Jalen since Michigan yeah. State. So. Yeah, you're right. I know what though. I, when he, I saw Jalen go down and they, and I saw him walking after that. I said out loud to Jason, I'll bet you he doesn't play until Oregon. I bet he takes Cal and Arizona to get healthy. And then we have the bye. That's what I bet Jason that Rome scores like seven touchdowns against Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think that Jake's powers of prediction are far greater than mine. So I think that that's what you want to talk to he he praises to a whole different kind of god that is above us well he praises to the fs1 truck gods kayla <laughs> that's awesome he was like that like nascar fight that broke out earlier he was like all, i think like, jake was there <laughs> i think jake I think, started it i think jake was saying to his wife hold me back hold me back <laughs> oh my gosh um position by position Obviously, we've talked about Mike. He took what they gave him. He was super efficient. Um, but I want you guys to kind of take turns here, just highlighting a couple of the things that you saw that the receivers did well. Um, I was really impressed with Jeremy Bernard um, being our kind of almost uh, A1 on Saturday night. That was really interesting to see, um, especially because we have such amazing receivers that were covered. And I was excited to see him shine and him with the exception of that fumble, which again, that particular play is not his strong suit. So I'm not, not holding that super against him. Um, and I think he'll shake it off. You, you gotta, you gotta make mistakes. And fortunately that one didn't come back to result in the loss. So um, Jeremy Bernard, great. Um, obviously our tight ends, which don't are our receivers, but they did great catching the ball. Um, and ultimately like we were able to get plays when we needed to get them. And that's really what matters. Yeah. Piggybacking off of that, because I was also going to mention Bernard there, but just the receivers as a general, they did a great job of making plays even more positive than they had to. Jeremy, for instance, had 56 yards after catch. Rome had 42 yards. Uh, Dylan Johnson as a running back had 40 after catch. Jalen Polk had 36. And of course, Josh Quavis had 34 after catch. So all of them just not even just making a catch and then going down, but trying to then make a double positive was huge. Yeah. And you know, other than that, they also, whatever issues they had in game one of blocking, that's been fixed. Those guys were blocking downfield fantastically to, I think the real shining stars of this game was the running backs for the things that they did, not only receiving and running, but Will Nixon saved a fumble recovery by pushing that ball and that guy out of bounds on the Jack Westover fumble great job that was that could have been the play of the game i i thought they did such a good job but yeah the receivers blocked well the running backs just shined and i thought all three of them that touched the ball did great but dylan johnson is a true number one running back he's a load any guy who can carry the football as well as five arizona wildcats and move the pile (laughs) i mean that that's a dog right there yeah yeah also, just quick shout out like to Rome. It's I feel like it can be hard going from the number one guy to 
no touchdowns on a night and being held to 64 yards and doing his job, just pulling DBs and the secondary with him to make other guys open and not really complaining about it. You know, big kudos. That's a captain move. That's a great teammate. And honestly, that is not going unnoticed by a lot of scouts. It's definitely putting a win before numbers. Was this the worst game for our offensive line, which is hard to say because they are amazing, but Mike Penix goes down twice. Um, It seems like there was a little bit more issues. There was some holding penalties. Uh, Landon Hatchett got in there and I thought he did a really good job pulling a few times. He's, he's going to be a star, but Overall, I think that this is the first game where they're not going to get graded out as an A. Which yeah, is- that's, that's, that's disappointing. And at the same time, Arizona was able to get home on Mike and Mike is still okay. So ultimately, like, that's great. And also, we're not going to grade you an A because of that. Um, also, the holding penalties, even though um, everybody on this podcast knows that I don't believe that they deserved half of them. They still got them and we need to be able to protect Mike. At the same time, Turville just mentioned how well our running backs did, which is also an effect of the offensive line. And one of our big criticisms all of last year is we're protecting Mike, but we have almost no holes for our running back room. So in that sense, like a little bit of, you know, two steps forward, one step back, one step back, I'd probably grade him as as a B plus. Yeah, I would definitely kind of agree with both of you in terms of the offensive line has proven in four other games that they can keep Mike upright. And they can give him enough time to get those big passes downfield. And then they proved against Arizona here that, you know, like maybe the passing game is not going, but we can make those holes now. And so while it was there were showing, I think, is a line just allowing those two sacks. Um, it also, I think, made the offense more difficult to plan because now you can see that Washington can run. So I think that that did help a little bit. Well, when you have seven defensive backs, Ryan Grubb, I thought the thing, four of them on Rome, (laughs) right? The thing that I think he did the best was getting our, our offensive linemen into space and let them be athletes. And they just, I mean, they destroyed these defensive backs. They had, you know, they had the, the one linebacker, um, uh, I, I'm spacing on his name right now, uh, Manu. Uh, but other than that, it it felt like they were getting such a good push, and partially because they're blocking guys that are 100 pounds lighter than them, and these offensive linemen can move. Surprised we haven't mentioned uh, Daniel Haimuli. Yeah, he uh, finally made some plays. Good for him. <laughs> not not with Washington. Not, and not at a bar. <laughs> Put a ribbon on the offense. They took what they were given and they were extremely efficient defensively. Uh, there were some really, really good plays to go along with some of those bad plays. The defensive line starters were in there. Ulumu Ale and Tule Latu Gasanoa. They were, they were really good. It seemed like there was some fatigue with Jacob Bandis, Fatua Tuatele, both of those, uh, Fatua Tuatele, that's the second game of his, of his season. So it's still trying to get himself right. They were putting some of their bigger edge guys in the middle at times and and players. Uh, that's when you saw Arizona get some traction in the run game uh, as it got to those th- uh, second second and third string guys. Overall, when Ulamu Ale and Tuli are in there, man, that is a really good defensive front. Really showed it last night. Yeah, I think that we had already touched on, Trevor, you mentioned that this was probably the worst defensive performance we've seen just Mm -hmm. because it's not Tulsa. However, I think that it was great to see that there is areas of improvement, especially coming off of a pick six from Eddie and fumble recoveries and other interceptions. I think it's good to kind of say like, okay, we know how to do that, but now we can kind of maybe clean this up a little bit. I had mentioned to us earlier that I thought I saw little glimpses of like a Jimmy Lake defense where there's a little bit too much space between the secondary and the receivers which resulted in Arizona keeping drives alive on second and long or third and long and I understand wanting to keep things in front of you however allowing them to stay on the field helps you not get off the field and in return gives momentum to that offense that's a really interesting that's my issue that's a really interesting point because Washington held a two score lead for most of the game. Therefore, I don't know how much 
pressure they were putting on the receivers, allowing, I mean, they, they blitzed a little bit. They brought some pressure, some different ways, but it seemed like they were trying to get after the quarterback while not allowing the receivers to get deep, which did allow some throws in the intermediate. And, you know, if, if you're getting eight yards, seven, eight yards on first down, your probability of getting that, that next first down in the next two plays is relatively high, especially if you're seeing maybe a lighter front with Washington's two big players out. Um, the, but it's also why you had mentioned earlier that Washington is having a hard time keeping, you know, say like um, Fafita contained same with Arizona's running backs yeah. with DJ Williams and um, Coleman is that they were just because they were dropping so deep. That's how they yeah. were allowed to use their legs. If Washington's D line were to Leah's point being held or what have you, so maybe not seeing them drop as many or being a little bit more situation aware, I think would be helpful moving forward. But I'm also yeah, not I wonder, paid the big bucks. Right. I wonder what the coaching points would be for that. And I don't think you're going to get an answer from any of the coaches about that. Again, it seems like every week there's a new, I think, player of the game in the linebacking room. And I think it was Alfonso Tupatala in this game. I thought he played a really, really good game when he was in there. You saw more Raylan Goforth than I've seen okay. over the last couple of days or last couple of games. I thought when Alfonso Tupatala was in there, the run defense was better. It's not necessarily that Edifano Lafuccio and Carson Bruner weren't, you know, Carson Bruner's still making plays, but it seemed like when good things were happening, Alfonso Tupatola was on the field. I would also say Cam Fab continues to impress. Yeah. Um, there was a play, I think, where he we were close to recovering a fumble and ultimately went back to Arizona and Cam Fab was right in the mix right there. Is that, that mm-hmm. sound familiar? It was somewhere in the mix of some a big play like that. That was just like, he just didn't get there quite quickly enough. And he's usually kind of, his nose is everywhere. He, as much he, as I'd like to. Just so much better than he oh. was over his first two years of seeing playing time. Not even close. Just like, to- like night and day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Next year, I expect him to be an all-conference player. I mean, that's. Correct. That's that's his development trajectory. Corners, really a mixed bag. Uh, you know, Jabbar Muhammad just doesn't give up a lot of yards. He only gave up something like 13 yards. He did have a pass interference when he did get beat a little bit. He It was kind of a, a save me play. But I got to tell you, looking, I am so looking forward to the matchup with him and Troy Franklin. I think that's going to be really, really fun to watch because I think that Oregon has one really, really good receiver and Washington has a lockdown corner. And I think that's going to be an absolute battle. Thaddeus Dixon continues Mm -hmm. to get better and better every week. Dominic Hampton looked like Cam Chancellor in the second half. Hammer. Just, just, and you saw it when McMillan went down the sidelines for a ball that was thrown over 15 yards. I think you could hear the footsteps because you watched him alligator arm that, bring his arms back in for an incompletion. Love him being able to be that strong safety and and making up for mistakes or just having that deep coverage. Mm-hmm. I feel like people were kind of giving Elijah Jackson a little bit of a hard time. Ooh, thank you for mentioning him. I thought he was probably going to be one of my defensive players of the game. You're right. Um, Just because the times that he was targeted, he was targeted six times. The only the most yards he ever gave up was seven. It was once the rest was four, three times, two, once one. And it was never for a first down. And I thought he was there for a lot of coverage. I thought he was there for either some assisting for tackles. Um, He only was credited six total um, for those being solo, but I thought he was all over the field and listening to the Husky honks afterwards, when I was taking my dad to the ferry, they were kind of saying like, oh, he had a bad game. And I, I didn't think he did. But if he doesn't make some of those tackles on an island, those go for big plays. He's the only one in the picture and he's making those plays. I think that that was probably his best game as a Husky. Yeah. And he's a sophomore. So excuse me. I'm so happy to see you in two years. Yeah. Can I have a hot Jake? Yeah. Our hot Jake of the day is i'm i know this might be a little bit controversial but we did successfully kick a field goal so shout out to grady gross yeah 
he was four for four on extra points and a 37 yard field goal. And I, I pulled a Kayla maneuver. I did not look and he was money. So, <laughs> Same. I didn't look either. So uh, I, I really, I think that continued like success to Grady gross making it. So he gets practice in these kinds of situations. So he feels comfortable and I, he was right down the middle. So props to him. That's my hot Jake. Like he Light. was nails on that one too. Slight mini tangent, not really mini tangents, kind of a quick yes or no. When Kalen DeBoer thought of going for it on fourth down or letting him kick that super long field goal, you could see him doing the math in his head. It'd be about a 57. Did you actually think he was going to let him kick it? When? What play was this? Trevor, you know what I'm talking about? To like uh, end the first half. Oh, oh yes. yes. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I saw Kalen. He was like, he goes, you see him mouthing 30, 40, 50. like mm. he thought, he thought about it. I, I think if like, it were 15 yards closer, I think he would have, I think he would have been great the ball. Yeah. I was I, like, Kalen, do, you do <laughs> not do that to yeah. me right now the week was, before. Or having a dumb and dumber moment. Like, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> right. Yeah. And even the broadcasters are like, well, you know, a kick on that. There could be the possibility of a return. And those guys who are blocking on that aren't usually used to tackling. And I was like, oh God, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. I literally saw Kalen. We're going to get the ball he back. Mou- he was, he was mouthing the yards on how long it would Dude, be starting so at 30 funny. doing the math. And I I was like, no, no, don't, no, no, <laughs> don't do that to me before Oregon. Kalen, do not do that to me. And he didn't. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I thought Grady Gross looked great. He looked really confident and he looked like he wanted to go out there and kick, which I can, I, I really appreciate. He was halfway onto the field. I know. And I, I love it. I love, I love it. any player whose attitude is give me the ball every time. I've I've watched him in uh, at some of the practices that I've been able to go to, and he just it doesn't look like big things get to him very much. He just is always he's aloof isn't the right word, but I'm I'm going to be confident in him in a big situation at some point in this in this season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know you're knocking on wood right now, Trevor. <laughs> I don't, in gross, we trust. So yeah, that kind of ties a bow on it. It looked a lot scarier. Uh, don't listen to the narratives that this was uh, a huge letdown by Washington. They were. Wait, so you're, you're telling people not to read the papers from Eugene. That is a yeah, hot exactly. Jake, Trevor. There's my hot Jake. <laughs> this is not Hollywood. It's not yeah. played in Hollywood. Yeah. Washington was in control of this game from the first quarter until the final whistle. And Arizona was never really in this game mm-hmm. by week. They're going to fix the things that they need to. This is going to be a huge game at Husky stadium. I can't wait to be there. Game day will probably be there. The The entire nation will be watching this game and Kalen DeBoer hopefully once again shows why he's lost less than 20 games, 15 games in his entire career. I'm excited about that next game. It's going to be a packed house. Hopefully we show up. Hopefully we're selling tickets faster than Oregon selling tickets at our stadium. I want to see a purple out, not a green out. If anybody has an E1 pass, I am looking. Hit him up. For Trevor Mueller, UW, Kayla Olin, go dogs. Go dogs. It's hate week. I love Adidas. Go dogs.